This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Today on the podcast, we check in with Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service. All kinds of things to talk about. Most notably, turkey hunting's coming soon. Plus, we rely on his expertise from his day job, or actually his night job, because he knows sleep. And we want to know what he thinks of this new daylight savings time proposal that's been passed by the U.S. Senate. It's all coming up on the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. Before we get rolling with Matt, pursue your passions with a world-class education at Bemidji State University. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature, as it was for all of us who went to Bemidji State. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. It's Minnesota's premier Northwoods University, and it can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. There is no more beautiful place to learn than the shores of Lake Bemidji and Bemidji State University. Well, today we have our international man of mystery, Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service here. Matt is always off and about doing things, but we were just talking before we got rolling, Matt. Uh, this year, not as many uh, fun trips for you because not as many hunting seasons open? No, just, uh, we typically open our turkey season in Florida, yep. and we actually spent Christmas and New Year's in Florida, so we didn't want to go back right away, even though it was how hard of a winter it was. I wish I would have. Um <laughs> So now we're just kind of backed off, not doing as many as many hunts, and I didn't get uh, I didn't get invited on as many media hunts, and trying to figure out what we're going to do with our spring. So I think uh, I think basically we're going to be Minnesota turkeys, and then I think we're going to do Kansas and or Nebraska, and that's going to be it. So uh, might slide over to Wisconsin since I have such um, easy tags to acquire and so many tags. Uh, but otherwise, you know, Minnesota and Minnesota and Kansas are the only two set in stone. Okay. Um, so not not nearly as much travel and not nearly as much uh, as much gunpowder in my nose <laughs> this spring. But uh, but it'll be good anyway. More time for uh, mushroom picking and sturgeon fishing and stuff like that. Well, I know you're you're a guy who's involved in it all. So overall, taking a look at this past winter, and you mentioned it was a tough one. We had a lot of snow and a lot of cold. Uh, how we, how did we do? How did uh, the wildlife uh, do this winter, as far as you can tell? It, it's really hard to tell. I mean, I'm basing it on what I'm seeing around my house. And, um, like, I, I have a neighbor who has quite a bit of egg, and and uh, there's food readily, readily available for the deer there. Um, I did notice in my limited amount of times uh, walking in the woods or going on snowmobile rides, um, like the deer and pretty much the deer paved the way and everything else followed. It was like uh, there weren't, you know, these big jagged winding deer trails. It was one deer trail. And if you found that deer trail, it was like a cow path and it had tracks from everything uh, from birds to wolves and fox. I mean, everything just let the deer make the way and, and they didn't really bounce off the trail very often. They stuck to their routes and they went, 
you know, went to food, went to bed, went to food, went to bed, <laughs> and, and there wasn't much in between. So I think they, they made it out okay. Um, okay. The grouse had ample roosting cover. There was plenty of snow, and, uh, and you know, you didn't have that super hard crust from melt and refreeze a lot. It just stayed cold. Um, so the, the grouse, I, I would assume, made it through pretty well. Uh, bears should have had plenty of denning and warmth. Uh, and the deer, like I said, it, you know, uh, typically a harsh winter is pretty hard on deer, but I think they, I don't know, I think they made it just fine. The only problem is you get these established deer trails, and what if a pack of wolves are walking one way and, pack, and a herd of deer are walking the other way? You know, who moves over, who runs away? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the deer have the longer legs, so I guess if they bound into the deep snow, the, the wolves really couldn't, couldn't catch them as easily, so... I don't know. I, I assume everything did just fine. Um, a lot of snow usually equates to pretty good bird numbers, and that's the most important thing to me. So, so I'm I'm down with that. Okay. Now you know we talked, and actually I talked with just about everybody last year because it was the topic of conversation. And that was the drought, and it was a bad one. We did get a decent amount of rain in the fall, and of course we had a lot of snow this winter, which we needed in both cases. Uh, but I don't think that's that's going to take care of everything. We're going to need to have a, a pretty good uh, spring and summer, uh, or a nor- at least a normal one. Yeah, I know you and I talked about it last fall, and um, I think when we talked, we needed something like some ridiculous amount of rain, like yeah. 100 inches, or <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but it was an absurd amount of rain to get us back to like even. And yes, all the snow is great, but it common misconception is people think you know if we get a lot of snow that it really helps the ground but um, i don't think people understand how much snow it takes to equate to like one inch of rain so you know if you have like 10 inches of snow that might equate to one inch of rain as far as groundwater um, or you know relief of drought so yes the snow helped and a lot of it is helpful but we we need a lot of rain this spring um you know, I, I I know some of the lakes. I think probably came up with with the amount of snow we had. Um, yeah, it's impossible for them not to with what we had. But um, but we need a lot of rain going into the spring to to really get things back on track. I think we're we're probably still pretty far behind. So we'll we'll see what spring brings. But hope, hope for rain. I think people were just relieved to see that it could precipitate in here. Even if it was, you know, I mean, it was just good to see. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff does come out of the sky here. Yes. Great. Oh, man. So uh, speaking of that snow, it sure did a number on a lot of lakes when it came to ice fishing this year. Uh, not so much the bite, but more being able to get out there and take advantage of a bite. How about you? How was it for you getting out there this year? I thought we had an unset agreement going into this conversation that we weren't going to look back and talk about winter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, um, it was. I'm going to put it this way: it was good, but it was really expensive. Like for someone trying to make money um, oh. through through the winter, it, it just wasn't going to happen. Like, um, you know, it's it, do you spend a ton of money on an overpriced plow because of the economy and how overpriced every, everything is, or do you do you uh, do a service to someone who needs the work and hire them out to plow for you? And either way, it, it really drills into your profit margin. I 
much rather would have had a winter like last year where I didn't have to plow hardly at all. Right. And you could drive pretty much anywhere. Like, those are good financial years. This year was not a good financial year. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a lot of, uh, you know, hiring guys to maintain roads. And, I mean, I I hired a guy with a lake plow to come down from Red Lake a couple times uh, just to open new roads on, on Bemidji and, and I appreciate the help of some of the locals who had plows who were trying to help maintain the roads. But, um, but basically, if my rentals hadn't been, you know, halfway across the lake, I don't, I don't know how people would have gotten to a lot, a lot <laughs> of the fishing they were able to get to this year. We, at one point, we had one open road on Lake Bemidji that went, you know, that went farther than to one fish house, and uh, and we worked our tails off to maintain that road, and it. It was it was good. Fishing was really good, luckily, um, but it was a lot of work, a lot of work, and some <laughs> pretty harsh uh, equipment troubles, uh, thanks to the cold and the wind, and that was a problem. It, it wasn't even so much the snow or the cold. It was every time you turn around, the wind would switch direction. So, you know, we'd get a road plowed, uh, hoping hoping that it would stay open for four or five days, and then overnight the wind would switch and you know we banked it to the north preparing for a south wind and then the wind would switch and it would blow all that snow that we just banked up across the road and you'd have to redo it it was it was a nightmare and and, it was good yeah and that was the universal thing everybody has nightmares about the snow and the, the you know all of that stuff but everybody also says once we got out there once we got a hole drilled we caught fish. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think a lot of lakes didn't see a ton of pressure, which was good. And uh, I, I just think that the fish didn't get absolutely hammered like like they would on a normal year. You know, if you if you started to run into a tough bite, if you were able to plow a new road or take your snowmobile and move, you were basically going on to one hundred percent fresh fish. That, hadn't seen a lure, hadn't seen a bait all winter. And, you know, you could beat up on them for two weeks and then move and do it all over again. So it was it was really good. And the people who had snowmobiles or tracked machines or, or you know, were in much better physical shape than me uh, <laughs> were able to walk <laughs> through that snow to get to fishing spots. Um, guys <laughs> like that, girls like that, they did well. I mean, really, really well. Um. Are you out fishing at all any, anymore, or are you done for the uh, winter? I did what I said was going to be my last trip the other day, and then the phone rang twice this morning before you called. <laughs> and uh, and I ended up taking one of the trips, so I'll do, I'll do one more, and then my wife would tell you that that turns into one more and one more and one more. But, um, but for sure going to do one more, and then, and then I'm going to start prepping for Rainy River. And um, I actually got a notification on my phone a couple hours ago that, um, all of my spring turkey stuff was dropped off this morning, so my mind is quickly going to change to that, and that's <laughs> all I'm going to be thinking about probably when I get home this afternoon uh, and start tearing into those packages. I'm I'm probably full bore turkeys, um, you know, for <laughs> for a while here, and then you know I'll, I'll take my son fishing and do do that one more trip and possibly a couple more, I guess. But um, but we'll go out a little bit late ice. I mean, you can't. You can't not fish late ice. It's it's one of the best times to be out, and I know it's been a tough winter, and 
I would love nothing more than to put my gear away, but I know that I'll regret it if I if I don't get in on some of these good late ice bites. So, so what, the guys that are calling for trips, what what do they want to catch right now? Perch or burbot, um, mm-hmm. but the burbot, I mean, that's tailing off. That's not going to last a whole lot longer. Um, but mostly perch. You know, every, everybody thinks of late ice. They think of really good big jumbos. You know, females are really plump, full eggs, ready to spawn. Um, so a lot of people want to chase that. That's what everybody was calling for, but I wouldn't be surprised if I get some calls for, for copies and bluegills too. But uh, but right now, everybody, word I think is finally getting out that that Bemidji is a really, really good perch factory. And uh, I heard a lot of people struggled on, on places like Leach and Winnie this winter. So, you know, they start to look at what's close that has decent perch fishing and, and they're finding Bemidji, so that's good. Speaking of bourbon and, and eel pout, that certainly has become very, very popular, and it's now a game fish, and I've talked with Jason and Jason about that, of course. But um, what kind of a bite was that this year? It was great. Was it? <laughs> um, yeah, we we got out and, and kind of hit it just right, um, you know, right ahead of the spawn. Um, I was able to get Tate out on a really good bite, and then um, I had some clients out, and we, we whacked on them, uh, and then... And then me and Tate had to leave town for a photo shoot, and, and Rylander was out of town at the same photo shoot, and so was Durham. So the fish got to just kind of relax for a little bit. So that was good. <laughs> um, and then they, they kind of got to do their thing, and they should be pretty much wrapped up spawning here uh, over the course of the next few days. And and uh, But going into it, I mean, we started our season early. Um, we started chasing birds in, like, February, and uh, or like early February, and we did did well on the first trip, and and it just continued to go uh, to go well after that, and the numbers just kept getting better and better and better, and and, uh, and then we like I said we kind of left them alone, and once the spawn started, it's like eh, do I really want to go catch them when they're laying eggs? I, maybe I'll just leave them alone. Like you said, they're game fish, so we got to respect them. Right, what we've been saying for years and years and years. So absolutely. Well, then then we get into turkey season, as you noted, which is becoming one of the most popular uh, seasons in Minnesota now. Um, and I expect that's that's something that's only going to continue to grow. I just hear more and more people really getting into it every year. Yeah, and we had, um, I was actually talking with um, a fishing guide down by uh, Leech Lake, uh, one of the Jocelyn boys who was talking about turkey guiding this spring and uh, a lot of people don't know this, but in Minnesota, you you can't guide for turkeys. It's one of the only species that you can't guide for oh. in Minnesota, and I, I've never understood it. Um, we're one of the only states who doesn't allow guiding for turkeys, and uh, with the numbers getting so high, uh, I know they tried to repeal that law, and uh, and there's a lot of back and forth, and uh, nobody really knows where it's sitting. But I w- I would love for us to be able to guide for turkeys because. That's one thing that, I, like, when I punch my tag in Minnesota, I'm begging for people to, like, come with me because it's not for me even about killing the bird. It's about the cat and mouse of trying to get the bird to come in, right? So, mm-hmm. so I kill my bird, my son kills his bird, and then and then I'm begging. Like, <laughs> Tate, do you have any classmates or friends who want to kill a turkey? Like, you know, I'm calling people, hey, have you ever killed a turkey before? Do you want to come kill a turkey? <laughs> Just because I want to keep going, uh, but you know we can only shoot one in Minnesota, so I like to help other people, and uh, it'd be really cool if if guiding became available for it. But 
in the meantime, I'll just continue to take people for free, and, and <laughs> I'll do it all day long for free. So it's uh, it's one of those things that really has become, you know, something I look forward to every year, and it's like take a little bit of time off work, nobody talked to me, <laughs> no, no answering the phone for guides. Uh, I'm turkey hunting. We are talking turkey with Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service. Got a lot more to cover with Matt next. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. If you're listening to this show, you love the outdoors. And if you love the outdoors and getting ready to start your education for your career, the choice is easy. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji. State-of-the-art tech ed in six career paths, which include automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of the Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, thousands of acres of forests. It is perfect. The shortest path to your dream job and a really good walleye begins at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. NTCMN.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Find shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast. I'm Kev Jackson. My guest today is Matt Brewer from North Country Guide Service and Promotions, and we are talking spring turkey hunting. So I I know that, you know, uh, not only is it just fun to do, which it is, but I think one of the other really cool things that people enjoy is the fact that, you know, it's uh, it's a new year. You know, the weather is warm. We're out hunting rather than when it's getting towards winter. We're actually hunting when it's getting towards spring, and I think that adds a little something to it. Yeah, something interesting for me, like I know we've talked before, I, I'm not a huge deer guy, and... Part of it's because I don't have any patience, but I hate sitting. I hate sitting in the stand and waiting. And uh, so when I'm deer hunting, typically I'm either driving and spot and stalking, or you know I'll I'll slow walk, um, trying to catch a deer bedded or something like that. But um, but a miserable day of deer hunting is like it's the worst thing ever because it, it's like the end of summer and fall and a miserable day of deer hunting is typically really cold mm-hmm. and it's like it's just the worst of all worlds, right? Didn't see any deer and the year's coming to an end and we're one step closer to winter. Okay. Well, if I go out in the spring, turkey hunting, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, drive to my spot before the sun even comes up. I've got frogs croaking like crazy and I've got birds chirping and I, I can hear cranes and the woodcock are migrating and everything's starting to turn green and even if i don't hear a turkey or see a turkey it's like winter's over i just got to sit outside without getting frostbitten (laughs) and watch the sun come up and watch uh, animals and hear all these critters come to life it's like uh, yeah it's like a new beginning Uh, it's 
one of the only ways you can stay sane in Minnesota, I think. I don't know how everybody does in Turkey. Yet, but. And when do you, when do you uh, start finding mushrooms? Uh, typically, like, mid-turkey season. So, okay. Um, uh, basically, if I'm out turkey hunting and I start to spot a mushroom or two, then it's time to, you know, give turkey hunting a break for a day or, or you know, when I go in for my midday nap, <laughs> then maybe I don't nap. Maybe I go uh, mushroom hunting. So, uh, typically... The prime, I always tell people, it, it can start, you know, realistically anytime, and it's all predicated on weather and soil temperature and, and stuff like that. But um, but right around Mother's Day, fishing opener is, is usually prime. So if you want to be guaranteed to go out and be able to pick a nice meal of morel mushrooms, if you do it the week of fishing opener, you know, the week leading up to fishing opener or uh, fishing opener weekend, you're, you're guaranteed to find... Uh, some morels if you know if you know where they they exist but um, that's usually prime time but if you get uh you know if you get three or four days in in april even early april I, i've even seen end of march if you get three four days where it's like 40 at night and 55 60 during the day um, that 100 degree cumulative number where the the overnight low and the daytime high equal 100 degrees if you get three of those in a row you're your mushrooms are going to start to pop. So I know you do that, and and of course uh, you don't. Do, you, we talked before you you haven't wild riced yet, but that's another edible that's out there. Um, blueberries, of course. What else is out there in the woods that we can get that uh, Yule Gibbons would be proud of us for? <laughs> well, there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, we don't just do mushroom trips. We do you know wild foraging, wild edible trips, and survival trips. So there's things like. Uh, ramps or leeks and a lot of people call them wild onions but they um, but they grow around here and are fantastic and they start earlier than morels so you can get out after those right mm. away like uh, they're one of the first um, first things to, to pop in the woods aside from like the trillium which is the first thing that grows um, but you've got honeysuckle I mean you, you can find fresh cattail shoots I mean there's a million things you can go out there and forage and eat. I mean, it's a good time to look for chaga because uh, chaga isn't as nutrient rich in the summer um, and fall as it is in the winter and spring. So, uh, th- this time of year is a great time to get out, especially before everything turns green and brown. Uh, when there's still snow on the ground, you can see chaga a lot easier on the birch. And um, there's a lot of stuff you can go out and do. I mean, if you are stir crazy enough, you can find just about anything to go after. You you can go pick up sticks, and it'll probably be enjoyable. Well, yeah. Um, so, do we have anything poisonous that uh, that we could, we could get burned on? Not so much in the spring. Uh-huh. Okay, you do have you do have like the false morel, but not going to kill you. Um, <laughs> not right away, anyway. <laughs> not right away. <laughs> you're, you're pretty safe in the spring. It's not till you know. It's not till summer when things start to really get uh, where you have to actually look out when you've got all your summer edibles up. So spring's pretty safe. Okay. Um, I need to talk to you about something else that because uh, we never we never talked to you about your your day job, but mm-hmm. I, I need your in, I need your expertise on that today. Okay. Okay. So for those who don't know. Um, you get paid to watch people sleep. Others get arrested for that, but you get paid for it. That is the creepiest description of my job I've ever heard. 
but it's also accurate. <laughs> so you you do sleep studies for Sanford, basically, is what you do, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm the lead here at the sleep lab. And, okay. And, uh, yep. That's... Just renewed my <laughs> yeah. just renewed my my license. I'm dual board certified and been in sleep medicine for almost 20 years now. So. Wow. So my question is about daylight savings time, which we've just switched to, <laughs> okay. and that the U.S. Senate voted unanimously to keep going forward, daylight saving time all the time. And now there's an argument that, that we shouldn't do that, we should be on standard time all the time. Um, so from your perspective, is there a, a benefit one way or the other? Uh, are we better off just picking one, or what, what do you think about all this daylight savings time stuff? Well, you maybe know more. I maybe know more on the sleep health side of things, but you maybe know more about daylight saving. So my understanding is we started it during wartime, right? Yep. So it it, it basically gave them more time to fight. Yes. Essentially. Mm-hmm. And why did we never revert from that? I I will never know. And a unanimous decision makes zero sense to me because. There has to be someone in politics who questions <laughs> life, right? Like it seems weird. I've never heard of it before, but yeah, they were. Um, it, it makes zero sense to have daylight savings time. Um, okay, from my opinion, I'm. I don't make the rules, but um, from like a sleep health standpoint, it's terrible. Like really, really bad. Um, and I think everyone, nobody needs their local sleep specialist to tell them that it, you feel like crud for three, four days every year during daylight savings. And, uh, you don't need me to tell you that that's, uh, that's because of daylight savings. It's just, um, and it's a psychological thing too. So like you're going into it and you're like, Oh, daylight savings is tomorrow. And then you play that mental game with yourself for, for a day or two. And you're blaming everything on daylight savings, even though you probably slept okay. And, you know, you've had worse nights of sleep, but but now you've got something additional to blame it on, and you you play that mental game. We need to just, in my opinion, go to standardization and just leave it alone. Um, I don't foresee us having any more wars, <laughs> and uh, and I think there's plenty of daylight, even on standard time, for people to fight. So, <laughs> I, I also think our equipment this day and age doesn't really care whether it's light or not. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think our thermal people would say that they prefer dark, but yeah. Okay, so what the, what the Senate has agreed to apparently is we're going to switch. I don't know. I think we go to go one more year. We're going to switch to daylight savings time, and then we're just going to stay there forever. <laughs> Others say no, switch to standard time and stay there forever. But going back and forth is ridiculous. I think everybody in the, in the world agrees with that. Um, yeah, so you're know, saying standard time is better than daylight time. It doesn't matter to me which one it is. It's just you got to pick one. You just got to pick one, right? Like okay. let people live their life <laughs> and and go with it. Yes. Um, if I have to pick one, you you give me which one gives me the most amount of sunlight while still being able to sleep in. That's what I'll take. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so from from a sleep health standpoint, from your standpoint, it's the switching that's the biggest issue. Yes, for sure. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep, it's the it's the swapping and switching. It it can disrupt a person's sleep for for up to two weeks. I mean, if you start to play the mental game with yourself, um, it can it can cause issues for for probably a couple weeks. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think there is ample evidence that, you know, we see heart attacks and different things like that uh, increase to some degree every time we make a switch. Yeah, and so. it's, it's due to poor sleep <laughs> yeah. most of the time. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you, when you force someone to get an hour less of sleep um, or trick them into thinking they're getting an hour more, you, you do any of those things that um, people are very habitual. And if you try to throw things off and, and you're forcing them to do that, it's it's never good for, for mental health. And, and if you're messing with their sleep on top of it, then mental health goes even worse. So yeah, just leave it alone. <laughs> now, from a, a hunting and fishing perspective, as far as I know, neither deer nor fish wear watches, so they don't care. They're going to get up. At the same time, they're going to be they're going to be light based, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not going to change the. We just it's going to be it's going to change for us what time it is that that we need to get up to to go hunting or to go fishing. Yeah, animal animals know sunrise and sunset. Yes, <laughs> that's their time. Yeah. They don't. They're not like oh, it's noon. <laughs> like, you know, they're like I I don't eat lunch, so working at a and an establishment that tells me I have to take a lunch break. Um, that's fine. I understand it. Um, but, but my stomach isn't telling me it's lunchtime. So if I were a deer, I would just keep working. And then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it got close, close to evening, I'd be like, Oh, I should probably eat before I go to bed. And then <laughs> I, I, I would love it if we just got rid of clocks altogether and everyone just let their circadian rhythm, which is your internal clock, um, dictate life, and you should be able to go to bed when you want and wake up when you want and live in a cabin in the mountains tax-free. You're going to get me started on all sorts of stuff, Kevin. <laughs> okay. Matt, the hippie brewer, is coming out in full force now. <laughs> There's no hippie. I, I, I want a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't need clocks, man. That's just the man telling us where he wants us to work. <laughs> well, there's some truth behind it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's regulated that, uh, you know, that from like a, from a health standpoint, where if it weren't, we we would probably be a lot healthier. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there, for thousands of years, we did not have clocks or watches, and uh, we seem to survive, so. <laughs> I know I know. a few years ago they tinkered around with the idea of uh of school starting later because there were a lot of studies coming out saying that kids weren't getting enough sleep and that that one's highly true and and I was all for it. Um, you know, you get kids that are angry or crabby all day and it's more than likely because they didn't get enough sleep and it's not, a lot of times it's not because their parents didn't make them go to bed early enough, it's because they're, like I said, I talked about the circadian rhythm, it's your internal clock which tells you when to become tired and, and releases melatonin um if you tell a kid to go to bed at six o'clock and it's still light out his body's not going to just be like well your mom said we should probably release melatonin and we should get tired now it (laughs) just doesn't work that way so making school later um i think would be beneficial and um and getting rid of daylight savings time and uh, i'll stop there my opinions will end it's been a, there's been a war on good sleep since the invention of electricity. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, if we want to go out and do some fishing, uh, you'd say perch is probably what we should be doing right now, huh? Yeah, or panfish. The only problem you're going to run into with panfish is uh, the smaller lakes uh, a lot tougher conditions. Um, so the bigger lakes, um, they they were a little easier to fish, less slush, um, you know, less drifting, things like that. So you might run into a little more slush and uh, a little tougher travel on some of the smaller lakes. But but the panfish bite should be. I mean, there's a lot of rich new oxygen. Uh, being released into the water, and the panfish are, are really enjoying it. So they're going to start transitioning to the shallower water and just soaking up all that new fresh oxygen. And and uh, you know that bite is just going to continue to get better all the way through July when our ice melts. <laughs> but the, but the perch bite should be. I mean, I, I know it's very good. We were just out, and uh, that's going to continue to be good as as long as we can get out as well. So with the uh, with the warm weather like this um, and the sunlight having so much power, I, I just caution people to be careful at the accesses. Like right now there's still like 27 inches of 26, 27 inches of ice out on the main body of water, but the accesses are what are going to go fast. So just be careful around those. You've seen a lot of ice conditions. You've seen a lot of springs. Um, any guesses on your part on when we can expect the ice to go out? Oh, I, I've literally fished next to ice um, on opener and I remember not being able to fish on uh, when I was doing the governor's opener several years ago so I am done with guessing I have no idea what the weather is going to do between now and and May so uh, but if I had to guess I'd say uh, if you're forcing me I'll say like uh, April 27th okay it's going to be a late one I I tend to agree with you. Yeah. Well, if people want to uh, book a trip this summer for any kind of exciting adventure with Matt Brewer and North Country Guide Service, how do we do that? Simply go to northcountryguides.com or throw us into the Google machine, North Country Guide Service, and you will be able to find us. All right, Matt, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time today. (laughs) Thanks, Kev. You've been listening to the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Northwest Technical College and Bemidji State University. You can catch the radio show Saturdays on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 in Bemidji, B93.3 in Brainerd, and Kick FM in Alexandria. And of course, multiple times a week, we'll have great stuff for you right here on the podcast. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast has also been sponsored by Visit Bemidji.